Beer Podcast is brought to you by these cool dudes. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Tony from the Red Bear Podcast, and I'm hanging out with my boy. Cool. Yeah, guys, this is the Red Bear Podcast. You guys can find us everywhere on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, any social media outlet you can think of. Check us out, guys. Just look up Red Bear Podcast. Uh, we are there. So, uh, yeah, man, what's going on this week? What's going on with you? Lots of stuff, man. Like what? Got married. <laughs> you got married? I wasn't invited to the wedding? That sucks. Nobody was. <laughs> you guys eloped? No. No? Is that, just, what, is that what you call it? Yeah, when you just like go somewhere and get married, don't yeah, tell anybody nah, you eloped. We, we, dude, 15 years, man, we're fucking straight up married. Like, that's yeah. all. But I, we, I'm announcing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely, man. You, uh, you definitely are... Um, you definitely are married. <laughs> you guys have been living together forever, so that totally makes sense. Um, what else, man? Anything anything cool happened this week yet? You had the day off today. I did. What'd you do? Dude, so funny you should ask, right? It's Halloween season. Yeah. Right? And I sat at home and I had these uh, these credits on my Xbox, right? Microsoft money that was given to me last year for Christmas. Every year I get it. This year, I didn't spend it. It's just been sitting there. It's been burning a hole in my pocket. And mm-hmm. they've got this thing, the Shocktober sale on Xbox Live. And I just fucking went nuts. <laughs> well, you were telling me you downloaded a game uh, that you wanted me to check out called Outlast. Yeah, it was $6.50, something kind ridiculous like that. Yeah. Like, you cannot go wrong for $6.50 on this game because it is friggin' scary. Really? Well, yeah. when you were talking to me, you know what reminded me of? It reminded me of that game Fear. Mm-hmm. First Encounter Assault Recon. Yeah, minus the assault. <laughs> yeah, there's, you said there was no weapons. Yeah, you have no weapons. You have no <laughs> way to defend yourself. You're walking around with a camcorder, right, that has night vision on it. Yep. And, like, that's your only means of, that's your only means of seeing in the dark. So, like, the only thing you pick up, like, you know how usually you pick up, like, bullets and grenades and all kinds of shit like when you're walking around these games the only thing you can pick up in this game is batteries for your camcorder yeah okay yeah and it's it's just like it's freaky as shit like the atmosphere is awesome they do a really good job building tension in the game but one of the coolest things about it is that the fear isn't like you know oh i saw a scary thing and now i'm scared and i can't turn out the lights no it's like it's that jump fear it's that shit like where you don't expect something and it just jumps like it just happens and you're just like you jump out of your skin for like two seconds and you're like but then you're fine yeah yeah like it's not like i'm sitting there like shivering like i'm i'm walking around but like now you're now it gets you on edge where you're like hairs are standing up on the back of your neck and you're like looking around every corner and you don't want you're trying to avoid that that mm-hmm. jump scare but they get you every time well what's the uh you said there's a real, well you mentioned when you were talking about this earlier you said something i thought was super cool about this game uh which is if you are i guess um like usually when you're in a game where you pull the trigger like you actually, that's where you'd fire a gun. But when you pull the trigger in this game, you actually look behind you to see if you're getting away from something. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought is awesome because in normal games, like you just run and it's usually like you're behind the guy running or it's like a first person view. Right. But you don't have the ability to look behind you. Yeah. Unless you like do a 180 and run backwards. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This like the, the whole purpose of the game is to survive and get away. Right. So instead of assaulting or encountering these things and like assaulting them. Um, you're not confronting anything 
So you're not taking anything on head on. So the triggers are naturally to turn around and make sure that you're getting away from what you're trying to get away from. And it's really friggin' cool. Now, are you like in an asylum? Like what was the backstory for this quickly? Yeah. So you're, you're in an asylum that's yeah. been kind of overrun by the inmates uh, or inmates or patients or whatever. Uh, they're all criminally insane. It's not just like a regular asylum. It's an asylum for criminally insane people. Um, there's also like some weird like mutated monster things. Um, not entirely sure what they are yet because I haven't gotten that far in the game, but they are very friggin' strong. And it's like that, that insanity strength. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where they just like, you're not getting away from them if they get you and they will kill you immediately. So, Mm. um, it's really, it's really, really interesting. Um, so like you pull up the, the first like, minute of the game is just you driving down this like long like driveway uh to the insane asylum and then you get out of your car and you walk in and then the game starts there's no backstory there's no like uh like intro video nothing it's just you just start playing the game yeah and it's yeah it's nerve-wracking what's the rating on this is that i did have a good rating oh it's mature yeah. Oh, you mean you mean like like, the, like reviews? I guess every review I read was like a four point five Some out bad, of five. Yeah. You know, through the Xbox Live rating system. Yeah, I didn't really look it up on anything else because hey, six fifty. I'm not going to go crazy trying to find right. ratings from Metacritic and shit. Like four point five on Xbox Live was good enough for me. Six dollars yeah. and fifty cents. I bought it. I was happy. Uh, it was excellent. I mean. Even if I only played that half hour or 45 minutes that I played, it was worth the $6.50 because it was a lot of fun and it was shocking and thrilling. Yeah. Um, I also bought the Michonne uh, oh, miniseries. Nice. nice. The Walking Dead yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, friggin'. I, I started it. It's great. It's what I expect from Telltale, which is amazing storytelling and uh, fantastic voice work. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's based on Michonne from the comics, not from the TV series. So if you're playing it, um, you may not recognize the character. You'll she's uh, you'll obviously recognize her because she's the same in the show as she is in the comic. Mm-hmm. But there are going to be circumstances and situations that you won't recognize. Gotcha. Um, because it actually takes place during a period after Negan's been introduced in the comic. So, mm-hmm. like this time frame hasn't even occurred in the show yet. Um, yeah. But that that started off pretty good. Um, and then I also purchased this thing called Saturday Morning RPG. Okay. Um, it's a it's a game on Xbox that was previous re- previously released a few years ago on um, iOS. Yep. And it's a fun game, man. It's like it's not it's not the greatest as far as gameplay mechanics go. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was it wasn't like you know this like awesome like you know fighting system and stuff like that. But if you're from the '80s. Right. If you're a child of the 80s or you even grew up during that era uh, or have had any interaction with anything from the 80s, then you're going to recognize a lot of the stuff that they have in this RPG. A lot of it is just all nostalgic references to things that you'll instantly get. Like they have like, you know, Care Bears, they have Cobra Commander, they have like Cobra soldiers that come after you. Um, They're not called Cobra like the Cobra Commander guy is called Commander Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a, there's a paralysis move that I got like in, in the first couple of minutes where like, if I, if I choose that move to attack my enemy, I would put on a Michael Jackson glove, moonwalk backwards towards them, 
right? <laughs> Turn around and slap them with the Michael Jackson glove and then go back to my starting position, but they'd be paralyzed for the next move so I could get them again. And it's like, it's just like little things like that that just like make me want to keep playing because I want to see what else I'm going to see. Yeah. Um, there was a screenshot of the game, like, you know, as you're looking through, like, you know, hey, I'm going to buy this game. I want to look at the screenshots. There was a screenshot that had uh, him fighting some Cobra troops or whatever, but it was in front of uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And that was fucking awesome. That's cool, man. So, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing that game. And then the very last one that I picked up was called State of Decay. Okay. Um, another horror game. But it's like, uh, if you think maybe uh, Skyrim okay. meets The Walking Dead. Oh, that's kind of cool. So you're basically building your own Walking Dead universe. Yeah. And you're your own Walking Dead character. You can create, like, a group of of people and, you know, kind of like, you know, make sure that they survive and like get them through uh, hard times and all that good stuff and find places where you can shelter down. And it's, it's a, it's a cool game. I played it on the Xbox 360. They re-released it on the Xbox one and there's a, there's a uh, state of decay two coming out. They just announced it. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that, but I never finished state of decay on the Xbox 360. So that's why I bought it on this. It's only nine bucks. Oh, so that's easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, and yeah. anybody listening, it's gonna be, these these sales are on until uh, October thirty first. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pick up Outlast. Like six bucks, like can't go wrong. Sounds pretty awesome. Um, you you obviously were talking about you know something that, that I think we have to talk about, which is obviously uh, The Walking Dead. Why? Uh, because that was insane, and it's obviously um, probably one of the best episodes of The Walking Dead yet. Um, I thought. It was very well done. I I thought, um, dude, Negan is such a freaking badass. Like, I know he's the villain, and I know he like murdered Abraham and Glenn. Um, but dude, I mean, he's he's a badass, and I love his kind of. I really like the the energy that his character brings to the screen. You know, it's like he's he's got a power behind his eyes. He he he, he basically like takes what he says very seriously and he wants everybody to know that he's not screwing around. Right. But I also like kind of like the sarcasm behind him too, you know? And I think one of the things that, that um, I've, I've even said this to on, on social media um, is that, you know, I understand that a lot of people are upset about Glenn and Abraham, but it's also, it's really comes down to perspective. Like if, if they were, if this was, Rick's group and somebody came in and like did this to our group and killed like a bunch of our people, we would have done the same exact thing, you know, but we're just used to seeing it from Rick's perspective. So Negan looks like the villain, but you got to think about it. Like we went into his complex and like literally like murdered people in their sleep, Mm. you know? So it's kind of like, dude, it's, it's payback. I mean, like we kind of got what we deserved for, for taking out, you know, his crew and he's just fighting back, which normally I think anybody would do, but it really is just perspective. It's all relative. Yeah. Um, did, uh, and I'm glad you said that. Um, you know? I mean, that's, that's something that I want everybody to realize is that Negan is for all intents and purposes. He's the villain of this season for Rick's crew. Yeah. But he's not evil. That's the thing. I mean, he, right? he's, he's not, basically saying he's fair. Yeah. You know, like he's not evil. He he goes a little overboard. Yeah. 
but he's essentially the anti-Rick. Right. Like he's he's Rick for his crew. Yeah. And his crew is a lot bigger than Rick's, so he probably has to go a little further than Rick would to keep everything in line and make sure that everything is okay with his and with gain his everybody's respect. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean to be fair, like knowing Negan from reading the comics and stuff like that, like he's not as loved by his group as Rick is by by his group because he is more of a tyrant. Mm-hmm. But it is out of necessity. Yeah, he has to be in order to kind of, you know, can get, maintain that power status. Yeah, and you can't maintain a power status with a group that large. No. I mean, without, always, be, without being somewhat of a dick. Well, yeah, but there's also going to be people that want to rebel against you and want that power. So you're right. going to have those, like, enemies that are still kind of, like, trying to be your friend. So you got to watch out for those people. Um, I, I will say that um, I had two picks going into this, and, and they were right. It was Abraham and Glenn. Um, just that was, there was, that was my guess. Um, Abraham took it like a badass. um, you know, basically saying like, suck my nuts. I thought was awesome. It's so Abraham. And it basically, in a sense, gave Abraham kind of like the last word, like he got hit to the head, but then he was like, basically fuck you mm-hmm. and knew he was going down, but basically told him off before he went down. Cause what is he going to do? You know, um, Glenn though, I felt, I feel like it struck a chord with a lot of people harder than Abraham because, Obviously, Glenn, everybody says he's like the heart of the of the team um, of the crew. And like I can kind of I can I can see that. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree. I, I think he's a, a good guy. But, um, you know, the guy's got nine lives and this was this was, you know, his 10th life or the end of his nine lives. But I mean, I think um, for, for me, what bothered me about that scene was he got smashed in the head and then like his brain's legit like showing and his eyes all fucked up. I mean, he basically got hit like twice and Negan like stops and like continues talking to his group being like, Oh, I know this must be hard for you guys. Blah, blah, blah. While you can hear him in the background, like legit, like suffering. Cause he's all fucked up. Like that's the only thing that didn't really sit well with me. It's like, if you're going to take somebody out, then take them out. But he really like kind of, you know, like drag that out, I think a little longer than he had to. And well, then he took him out. Put yourself in again, like, cause you've already done this. You've already put yourself in their shoes, but put yourself in, in the, the shoes of Negan's group, right? Rick's crew went in and straight murked the, like an entire like compound. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I don't even, I can't even remember how many people were there that they just freaking like killed in their sleep. Yeah. Right. And uh, Negan's Negan's getting revenge for that, right? Mm-hmm. So not only is he showing his people, hey, this is what I'm willing to do for you, but he's also showing Rick's people, this is how far I'm willing to go, right? And if right. you want, and if you want to continue this, by all means, let's do it. Yeah, and this is this is what you have in store for you. Like I'm gonna, I would put on a show like that myself. Yeah, you know? but I think the I think the problem I had with it, and I get that, like he's 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 basically it's like payback. But in a sense, I mean, like I feel like he kind of Negan was was privy to some information that he I think I don't know, man. I, I like I said, I don't. I just feel like maybe it's just me, and that's my mentality. And I I probably couldn't picture myself like smashing somebody's head in like that unless it's like a necessity, like it was me or the other person. Like I I just that wouldn't be me. Unless it was self-defense. But, I mean, like, you got... 
he obviously knew that Glenn had some sort of relationship with Maggie because how he like went after like Maggie when Negan said that she looked like absolute shit and thought she might get killed. He obviously knows that there was some kind of connection there. So to basically smash his head in twice and then like she has to sit there and basically like, you know what I mean? Like just take the fucking guy out. You know, like I thought that was a little fucked up because he obviously knows there's something going on there. And I, I didn't I didn't like that. Like and, and maybe that's why he's technically the villain. But it's like I mean, he took out Abraham quick enough where it was like two two like one shot to the head. Boom, hits him again and then just goes and goes ape shit on him. But then he takes out Glenn, who is like he tries to say some shit and he does say it. But then he continues to talk. While he's like fucking suffering and like Maggie's got to watch this like th- that for me wasn't cool. I thought that was a shitty move. But he's sending a message to more than just Rick's I know. Team. I know that he's doing that. Like I get I get that he's like it's it's more it's more than just Rick's team. It's everybody else. But it's how he keeps his crew in line. Right. But I'm also looking at it from a perspective where like it's it was just more than that. It, 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 there was a lot of other stuff going on. I feel like he he. He didn't have to make he didn't have to make them wait that long to take him out. Plus, Lucille was thirsty. Yeah, whatever, vampire bat. But I mean, like, I just <laughs> yeah, you know, if you, if if Lucille's thirsty, then fucking feed her, right? I mean, like, it, that's kind of what, the way I look at it. But it was, I don't know, it that was probably the only part of the of the the scene that was kind of disturbing to me is that he waited mm-hmm. that long, but. I mean, I think Look, it he's was... a complex character. I mean, like right now you see what he's doing and like it, it, it rubs you the wrong way and it's supposed to. It's supposed to rub you the wrong way. It's supposed to make you feel I that was just going to say that. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. It's yeah. supposed to make you not like the guy. Um, and there, there are hopefully many more stories to come that are going to make you feel that way even more. Mm-hmm. And, and then hopefully they continue down the, the other path where you know I'm not going to say anything, but there are there are other things more like some deeper um, interactions that you get with Negan that maybe you start feeling a little sympathetic for the character. So yeah, um, hopefully those things come as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to what they're doing with the season. The the complete fucking dominance of Rick was a little like unnerving for me because I don't. I don't like that. I don't like watching somebody get turned into a bitch. Um, like that. Well, felt, the whole like Carl scene where he's gonna cut off his dude. Kid's that arm. felt to me just like. Uh, do you remember uh, Game of Thrones um, when Ramsay Snow had friggin' uh, Theon Greyjoy? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Tied yeah. Up, yeah. Like, yeah. Cut his nuts off and everything. It was or or his dick or whatever. And then it was yeah. like, yeah, you know, this is now you're. Now you're Reek. Yeah, yeah. You know? I feel like he's now Reek Grimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's his new name for me is Reek Grimes. Because, I mean, like, he was literally going to cut his son's arm off. At that point, I am I swear to God, this is how I would react. And I know, like, people say, you don't know how you would react in that situation because you've never been in that situation. But I can tell you, I would have fucking just, look, sorry, guys, we're all going to fucking die right now because I am going to try to kill this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Because I have an axe in my hand. He's standing right above me. He's telling me to cut my son's arm off. I'm not doing that. Yeah, fuck you. I'm going to fucking kill this guy. And if I fuck up and everybody dies, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah. At, least I, at least I'm not going out like a bitch. I will say this, man. Like, fucking, like, like, hat off to Andrew Lincoln for, like, 
he killing that he scene. Yeah. Dude, he had like snot come out of his nose and shit. Like yeah. they that wasn't planned, but they kept that. Like that was that shit was real. Yeah. Like I was like, wow, this guy's killing it right now. There's only other one other scene that I've seen somebody do that. It's gross as shit, but they kept it because of the emotion was raw. Is when in Gladiator, where Russell Crowe actually like comes back to his farm to try to like save his wife and kid, mm-hmm. and he he comes up to see his wife and kid hanging, like burned. Yeah, and dude, he like grabs his wife's feet, and there's like snot coming out of his nose. It's what? like what scene? Gladiator. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, like, I remember. I remember. And like this, like snot coming out of his nose is dripping off his face. Like it's gross as shit, but it's like. It's hard to watch that scene because, like, you believe he's feeling that. Well, I mean, dude, this is why he got an Oscar for that fucking movie. Right. But, I mean, like, that scene alone is just, like, so fucking painful to watch. Because he, like, rushed his ass home to try to save his, his family. And he was just, like, like hours late. You know? And I it, it sucks. But, but uh, Walking Dead, man, uh, next episode this Sunday, obviously, is going to be all about the kingdom, which I'm excited to, to see. Um you know, Morgan's going to be hanging out with Carol <laughs> yeah. and we're going to get to see kind of that dynamic come to fruition. Um, cause they started off on a rough patch, but I think there's some, some growing for them to do. Um, you know, gang, uh, Ezekiel's going to be there. Uh, so I'm looking to see what the deal with that is. I'm hoping there's going to be an appearance of his tiger, which is going to be badass. Oh, as soon as you uh, see fucking, Ezekiel, you're going to see the tiger because that's how it's. We're going to get to see. That's fucking, how it's unveiled. Fucking life of Pi and the Walking Dead. Dude, I can't wait. So that 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 is like my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the comic, man. Um, the my my most like gut wrenching scene was when Glenn got his head bashed in yeah. in the comics. My favorite scene in the comics is when you fucking see Ezekiel and the tiger's there. And, like, my first reaction is, this motherfucker has a tiger. Yeah. (laughs) He's got a tiger. Holy shit. Right? And it's, like, it's just, like, this feeling of, like, now we're we're fucking talking. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the apocalypse. This guy was a fucking zookeeper. And he's got a, he's he's just fucking got a tiger. Yeah, because you know that tiger's going to fuck people up. I can't wait to see it. So, uh, but I'm I tell I'm telling you right now I am, as much as I am I am down for that tiger. Like I can't wait. I am dreading the time when that tiger gets it because I know it's going to be fucking brutal, and I hate fucking animal cruelty shit. And I'm not going to be able to deal with it. Like, it takes it takes a while. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to say like that's that's all. How that's fucked a, up are we as 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 people though, man? Like, cause think about that. No, nah, like, because we're desensitized. We see it so yeah, fucking much. Saying, that's what I'm saying. Like, think <clears> about that. Think about. The fact that we can, not just us, but even just Hollywood in general, like how many times do you see animal cruelty in a film? Not many. Mm-hmm. No. How many times <clears throat> do you see a child get like brutalized in a film? Not many. Right. Right. And it's because like those are the things that people are like, you know, oh, Sensitive oh you over. can't, you can't do that. But you can fucking like cut people's heads off. You can smash like people's women heads can in. get raped you can have people get like you know it's all that shit it's just fucking fair game but can't kill a dog yeah i just you think know, it's can't, a d- can't like in the nfl dude fucking like i swear to god listen this is this is a true story i don't know if you know this or not but and i can't remember the fucking guy's name jeez i'm trying to remember now uh dante stallworth mm-hmm. all right he was a he was a patriot a brown um he was uh drunk driving and ran a ran an old man over and killed him. Yeah. Right? And like the next year, he's fucking back playing football. 
Fucking right. Michael Vick has well, the a, dogs, yeah, I know has a dog Vick, fighting yeah. ring or whatever that like he he was he was aware of it, but he wasn't really even involved in that shit. Like it was his boys doing that shit on his property or whatever. And this motherfucker can't play football for like ever, and he's in jail for like years. Like, but fucking yeah. this guy goes drunk driving and murders a man, yeah, a human being, and he's fucking back in the league like next the the very next year, like playing for the Patriots. He got cut from the, from the Browns and starts playing for the Patriots. Yeah. To me, it's just like that. That's just indicative of the shit that I'm talking about right now. Like, we can't stomach animal cruelty, but we can totally stomach violence against other men. Or yeah. Women. Well, no, I I really think it comes down to just being desensitized. I mean, like, how many times have you seen somebody get killed on TV since you're growing up? It's like you're kind of immune to it at this point. Yeah. But when you see, like, dude, I see Facebook videos. There was like some girl. I swear to God, man, I, this like strikes a chord with me. Like, I get angry thinking about it because it's like there's this dog on a, on a bed, and there's this girl that is slapping this dog in the face, just slapping it in the yeah. face, and the and the the girl keeps hitting the dog and the dog's like doesn't know what's going on the dog's like coming up to her and she keeps hitting it and this girl's like looking in the camera like laughing but literally abusing this dog and i don't know how it got posted on facebook it's awful. but it's but it's one of those things where it's like the dog doesn't know the dog is doesn't know what's going on but is trying to figure it out but doesn't just know that this person's being a fucking asshole yeah and i literally said to this on a commented people were like People were resharing it because they wanted to find out who this girl was. And they're like, I hope this girl gets arrested for anime cruelty. And I literally posted, I was like, if I ever saw this girl, I would literally fucking bash her face in with a bat. Like, I don't, like, I don't give a fuck. But like, you think it's funny that you're doing that? Like, mm. why don't, why don't we bash your face in a couple of times and smile about it and see how many times you think, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't understand that. Like, you don't. That is so wrong on so many levels because that dog doesn't understand what's going on. And a person that is getting, if you're, if two people are fighting and they they like go at it, like they both are under, understand the circumstances and what's yeah. at stake. But an animal doesn't, and I think that's that's why it bothers me. Right, and I, but I mean, like for me, like I told, I brought it to real life for a second, but going back to like fantasy and back to um like hollywood and and stuff like that i feel like that's the territory that we need to explore because that's the shit that's going to disturb me that's the shit that's going to make me scared mm -hmm. it's the shit that's going to bring horror to my life because all the other shit is like we like you said we're desensitized you know what i mean yeah no and, and honestly dude i mean that that um it, it brings me to um, one one moment in a movie that I, I want to bring up quickly, and um, oh, actually, this is a this is great because it kind of brings us into our our segment, which is you know, guys, this is our our sixtieth episode, and we're we're psyched about that. But before I get into that, I mean, when you talk about the uh, you know, that's an area we need to explore. I'm sure everybody who's listened to this podcast has seen John Wick. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's the beginning scene where like his dog gets murdered. Yep, and, 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 and you that's hear it. it, and you hear it. In the background, like you hear his dog getting murdered and, and the fact that he went after those people mostly for that. And like at the end where the guy's like, oh, he's like, he's like, he's like, it was just the dog, man. And he, and he literally just shot him right in the head. I'm like, fuck you. Like it was all for that dog. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I, I get that. I understand why he was pissed. Right. But it's shit like that. Like that. I can't hear that. 
whimpering of the dog and all that shit, dude. It, but like, that's that's the thing though. Like it that makes me so angry. That's exactly what I'm saying though. Is that John Wick, right? That movie worked for me because they killed the dog. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, "Fuck them." Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious, dude. Get them, motherfuckers, right? Like, kill yeah, them, yeah, get yeah. revenge. Do whatever you need to do. Yeah, right. And like, it got me invested in like what he was at. Exactly. Like, I'm sick of the. I'm sick of the. Oh, they killed my my wife. They killed my like. Let, let's let's be real. If they killed my wife, yes, I would still. I would be upset. Absolutely in real life, but in the movies, I'm just sick of that fucking trope of like. You know, yeah, I it's the same storyline. They yeah. killed my family. No, they killed his dog. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, <laughs> right. I know. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. That's like, why. That's, that's why John that's, Wick like worked for me. You know. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So yeah, it's our 60th episode, yeah, bro. Yeah, man. So 60th episode. This is this is badass. Um, and guys, um, we are actually going to talk about today. Um, really getting into it, man. We're going to talk about our the top three scenes, um, that really disturbed us. Uh, mainly because, guys, this is officially our Halloween episode. So uh, happy Halloween, everybody that's out there. Um, but guys, we're going to talk about, you know, the, the three top scenes that disturbed us, but being that it's our 60th episode, um, I, we took the honor of, or the liberty of basically trying to figure out what horror movie, um, you know, came out in 1960, you know, and, uh, believe it or not, 1960, the, the best horror movie that came out was Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. One of the best horror movies ever. One of the best that set the standard. For horror movies, uh, scared the hearts into many women taking showers. <laughs> yeah, so, like I mean, like Anthony Perkins was brilliant in that film. Oh, he was excellent. Norman Bates, man, one of the best characters ever. Yeah, you know, um, one of the most twisted characters ever. One of the weirdest characters I think to come on the screen in the 1960s, which I think is why it struck a chord with so many people because it was, it he was like dressing like his mother. He was spying on people. Yeah. He was fucked up, like. People hadn't seen that on the screen yet. And then you in- incorporate that like murder shower scene. Yeah. And like he was actually not a bad guy. No. But no. mom was fucked, up. <laughs> was fucked up. Like when she came out, forget it. Mm. And, like it was it just it was mind blowing to me because like you had this thing where like he was like, you know, he was genuinely nice to these people, you know, offering them a place to stay and blah, blah, yeah. blah. You know, come on in. Like, you know, I'm gonna be there for you. I'm your, I'm, I'm your, I'm basically your servant while you stay in our hotel. Whatever you need, blah blah blah. Yep. And and here he is killing people. And like the immediately, the immediate like feeling is to think that he's just being fake. Yeah. Right. Or like he's, you know, he's he's not duplicitous. He's just fake and like he's he's manipulative. Right. But he's not. No. That's him. Like he doesn't even have any idea no, that twisted. he doesn't even know that he's doing the shit that he's doing. Yeah, that's the best because part of he's it. psycho. That's the that's why the name of the movie is Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, dude, it's probably one of the. It's obviously one of the best horror movies. Um, and they used uh, chocolate syrup for the blood. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it was, was black, black and white. white. Exactly. <laughs> you owe me a coke. Buy me a coke. <laughs> <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> so. Pinky, pinky. Oh my god. Pinky. Flush it down um, the kitchen sinky. Did Hallie anybody? Hallelujah, <laughs> the hinky. No, the I don't even know. Wet his pants right in the middle of a ballroom dance. Wow, I don't even know any of that. That's oh good. come on, man, SNL. No. Uh, oh, SNL. All right, yeah. All right, <laughs> all right so um, yeah, but let, let's let's definitely start talking about these scenes, man. I'm, I'm excited. I am going to give you the honor. Uh, we're going to start with three and obviously go backwards into the number one, but. But what is uh, number three for you on like scenes that disturbed you? 
We're going to take it right back to 1989. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about Pet Cemetery here. Uh, Zelda. Good one. Uh, the sister of the wife um, of the main character of the film. Uh, she is hideous. Mm. Okay. And hideous because she's like sick and her body is very sickly. She's very skinny. She's wasting away. And uh, the makeup job that they did on her just looked freaking just grotesque. And it was like, those are the things that disturb me. Like when I'm looking on something that looks like it could be real. Right. But is just so fucking creepy and, and nasty. And, and there's a scene where she dies, where she's just like, you can see her like breathing heavily and like you can, they show her back and her back is just like all like just, you can see like her rib cage, like protruding through her back. And it's just like, ah, oh, it's gross. It's just gross. Um, and it's disturbing to me. It was like, I could, that's all I could see when I was, when I would close my eyes and get ready to go to sleep was Zelda's face. Mm. Okay. And I sometimes, it, it took a while for me to be able to go to sleep like right away. Mm-hmm. Like it took me because like it used to like after seeing that movie, maybe it took like an extra like 15, 20 minutes for me to be able to close my eyes and just like fade away into sleep in La La Land. But, um, you know, probably about a week or two later, I was good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, dude. Pet Cemetery is one of those movies that um, I didn't really know what to think of it when I watched it the first time. And I was like. <laughs> What the fuck? Because I never read like any of the shit, like the books, you know? Yo, Stephen King is, Stephen King is a true master. No, he's a master of Um, horror. People, people who watch the Stephen King, the movies based on Stephen King's books don't know what the fuck they're missing because like a lot of the movies are awful. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. They're bad. Well, I will, I, I, I will, I will agree with you and disagree with you on that because I I'm a big fan of Stephen King film, right? Like I liked Carrie, I liked um, Cujo, I liked um, it. I loved. Uh, I, I mean, like these his movies are good. I even thought um, the Mist was good. Like I think all of these these movies are very good movies to some extent. I've tried to read Stephen King, and I don't like his writing because. I feel like he is overly descriptive. Like, and that might be a plus for some people, but it's like, I remember I was reading it and he started talking about the boat that's going down the, the boat that they made that that's going down the sidewalk, which is eventually where it goes into the gutter where they see the clown for the first time. And then he starts talking about the paper that they made to use it. And then he starts talking about the wax they used and then the store, they got the wax in and how many hours it took. And, Da, da, da. It's like, oh my god, who gives a fuck? She's like, we get it, dude. We get it. Like, yeah, I don't need four fucking pages for you to describe this to me. When he does stuff like that, though, nine times out of ten, it comes back around in something else, and it's like, so, so there's always like a reason for it, and and it I didn't read, so I can't remember. I tried reading it, man. I got like forty pages, and I was like, I can't. I I, I got so bored with it. Yeah, like it was a mo- like that was a movie that I kind of got bored with because it was like such a fucking long. It was a miniseries. Yeah, well, they're, they're so actually so, remaking it. Yeah, I can't wait for the remake because then I can watch it in two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like I can't watch a miniseries. It's like it's weird because I can watch a television show, mm-hmm. and I can watch a movie, 
but I can't watch a movie that's turned into a miniseries that takes oh, six yeah, hours. It's saying. like, fuck that. Oh, they're remaking it, man. But Tim Curry, dude, he's got some hard shoes to fill for that, for Pennywise. But, um, but it was just, yeah, Stephen King. I mean, it was, I think one of the, the books that I had a hard time reading but got through was American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Like, mm-hmm. I, I read that book, man, and Brett Easton Ellis, like, he's a great author, but he really took the time. He wrote the way that, he wrote that book the way that he did to put you in the mindset of the character. Where I feel like Stephen King writes to be descriptive for whatever reason, this guy was overly descriptive because he wanted you to see everything from his from this character's perspective. So Patrick Bateman like is overly observant about what people are wearing because he wants to fit in so badly and be accepted. But he's got this like psycho background to him where it's like he looks oh he's wearing a Brooks Brothers tie with uh, with a Gucci suit. And he has his hair and he's got this type of tie and he's got those type of shoes. And like he goes through like he'll go through six pages of going to the nth degree about somebody, what they're wearing, what what brand it is, how much it is. Like after after like halfway through the book, I'm like, Jesus Christ, he just walked into a room of people. Here goes 20 pages of description. And it's like I got to the point where I was like, I knew every fucking brand ever. And how much everything was. That's why when I walk by Brooks Brothers, I'm like, fuck that. But it's like, I'll never buy anything in that store because it's retarded. It's like, it's like 60 bucks for a t-shirt. But anyway, um, yeah. So, you know, back to what we were saying. And you kind of went off on a tangent there. But man, Pet Cemetery. I mean, killer movie. You yeah. know, it disturbed you. I, I totally get that. Um, What's yours? Oh, my God. Um, it kind of... <laughs> When I was thinking about this uh, just a couple minutes ago, it, it became a toss-up between movie, two movies. Um, but I'm going to go with um, the one that I originally thought of, which was The Vanishing. The Vanishing was a movie that I saw when I was younger with uh, Keith Sutherland, Sandra Bullock, and Jeff Bridges. And it's about this guy who goes on a road trip with his wife. Uh, they get in a fight. She walks down to the nearest like gas station. He finds her there. They reconcile their differences and they're like, all right, let's make up and let's, let's enjoy the rest of this trip. And then she goes into the convenience store and then like she disappears and he doesn't know what the hell happened to her. And then come to find out, um, he's like, tries to move on. He gets a girlfriend and then the girlfriend thinks that like he's cheating on her. So he goes to like this, this like other apartment he has where you realize he's overly obsessed with trying to find out what happened to his girlfriend. And he goes on the news and the guy who was responsible for his wife's disappearance sees this uh, him on the news and finds him and basically says to him, in order for you to figure out what happened, you have to go through the same thing she did. So he makes him drink something, which basically knocks him out, and he fucking wakes up in a coffin. And you find out that like he basically buried his girlfriend alive. And like... That was my probably my first encounter with a thought of being buried alive. And it's like my fucking number one fear. And it scares the shit out of me. And it terrifies me. And it's because of that scene. Like, he wakes up. He There's no one around to hear him. Nobody can help. He can't get out of the coffin. He's fu- It's a fucking enclosed space in the dark. He's claustrophobic. Like, it leaves him with nothing but a lighter for him to be able to see these in a fucking box. Like... That shit scares the fuck out of me, and it disturbs the shit out of me, and that movie is the number one reason why. Um, and I think it also has something to do with that when I was growing up, from, from the time I was 13 to probably like 18, I had a huge crush on Sandra Bullock, 
So like to find out that like that's what happened to her character fucked me up even more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Um, but but that uh that's my number three. Just disturbed the shit out of me to this day. Still bothers me. Well, it's funny because my number two is very similar. Um, my number two is Serpent in the Rainbow. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. I I've heard of the movie, but I have not seen it. So it's a movie about like voodoo and shit. Yeah. And, um, I heard dude, about this movie. It's fucked up. So this dude at the end of the very end of the movie, like how it ends. And I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it, but this movie was fucking super, super fucking old. So sh- whatever. Um, you should have seen it already. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but but at the end of the movie, the guy is. Um, so it's like in voodoo culture or whatever. I guess they have like this like uh, drug that makes you appear to be dead. And. This guy ends up like ha- they have a funeral for him and they bury him and he wakes up in the coffin and that's that's he's six feet under. He's already already buried like nobody's ever going to come for him and he can't get out and that's it. So he's like basically in the coffin, like basically gasping for air and dying. And like that's where the movie ends and the credits start to roll. So that was like the. That was the thing that disturbed the shit out of me, like because like uh, like yourself, that's fucking freaky, man. No, I can't. to me, like also. I can't, I can't imagine being trapped in a box underground, buried, with no chance of escape. Like no. it's just, dude. That's that's actually one of the reasons why I want to be cremated. Like yeah. I, I like I never wanted to be cremated until like I got older and like my mother wants to be cremated and like I just I can't I can't even deal with that shit. <laughs> like, right. I dude fucking burn me. You know, it's like I, I just whatever. My, it was actually um uh a lot of people don't know this being it's our like our Halloween episode. Did you know that that was like Edgar Allan Poe's like number one fear? He had a um when he died, he wanted he has a diagram of it that he drew. He wanted a rope going underground into his coffin that was hooked up above ground to um uh, a pole that had bells attached to it so that if he woke up he could pull on the the rope and the bell would start ringing and people would know that he was still alive i was like his biggest fear so it's like seeing that diagram even freaked me out you know but um yeah that's, that's crazy yeah it's creepy as shit dude um the uh i think i want to do that just just because be just because yeah 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 um so i guess that brings us to uh number two which um yeah for you yeah for me which would be uh huh, it's actually the first alien movie um and it was actually the scene um where they're all eating dinner and uh kane is the character that had the face hugger on him mm-hmm. and Basically, he's eating dinner and like he starts like coughing and then like the shit starts coming through his chest, like the chest buster, the chest. The, yeah, basically that that fucking shit disturbs me because uh, John Hurt does such a good job of faking that. <laughs> like it's believable to me. And like they and you, it, it's freaky because everybody else in that scene was like so invested that like like it. <laughs> Like I'm, I love that movie. So like I'm in that movie and I'm in it to win it. Like I'm, I'm already sucked into that movie at that point. Like I'm invested in this. I believe what's going on, but like if you sit back and take yourself out of it for a second and watch them as actors, like everybody is invested. There's, I forgot the guy's name that's playing him, but, um, it's the, um, the black guy, what's his name? Um, 
He played Parker. Um, his last, his name is uh, uh, Yafit Kato, Kato, I think. But he, um, he actually like goes to the extent of actually like he doesn't know what's going on, but he goes to the extent of like holding him down on the table and trying to put like uh, like a knife in between his mouth because he's trying to bite down. And like I thought that was like a great addition because he doesn't know what's going on, but he's like, oh shit, like bite down on this, right? And then like he's trying to take it out of his mouth, and then like he's just making these awful sounds. You know, like it's this mm-hmm. one moment where he's making the sound of like, I can't even describe it. I don't even want to try, but it's just panic of something's happening. And then the shit comes out of him. And like, it's, it's not even it coming out of him. Cause when it comes out of him, he's dead. Right. It's everything leading up to that. And the sounds he makes like just disturbs the shit out of me. And I, it's, it's a great scene because no matter how many times I see it, I, I get so, <laughs> I get disturbed by it, you know? It, I mean, bring it out to like HR Geiger for like making something that is that fucking disturbing and sick. But, uh, but yeah, that's it, man. That'd be my, my second, my number service alien dude. So my, my number one man. And, and I know this is probably going to sound like I'm like, you know, ripping you off because we talked about this before we started the show, mm-hmm. but, um, it's not necessarily a scene. So you probably still have a scene that you can use here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Exorcist. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last Halloween. Uh, that is my number one scary movie mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah. Um, the Exorcist is scary as shit to me, and it's not anything other than the fact that Linda Blair, in makeup, after she's possessed and like going through all she's going through, mm-hmm. that is the scariest fucking makeup job. Oh yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. Like there, even like in in subsequent. Exorcist movies, uh, Exorcist 2, Exorcist 3, uh, even in uh, any other movie that tried to emulate that, like nobody has matched the makeup job <laughs> that they did on Linda Blair and, and making it so believable and so frightening mm-hmm. and chilling to look at. Like that was a face that I, I saw in my dreams for fucking months, dude, yeah. months. And yeah, to, that, that takes the cake for me. Number one, um, even like now, like there's a, there's a new exorcist TV show. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's a great show, but yeah. it's not, it's not scary like that to me mm-hmm. because like that kind of shit doesn't scare me. The, the face, the, the eyes, the, you know, and then, and then like her voice and like, you know, the, like the way that her fucking, like her actions, she, like, like cause she, shit. she nailed it. Like she killed it in that movie. She was awesome. Yeah. Um, like playing a possessed child, like like the way that her face moved and like the 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 grimace that she would have and the smiles and the the weird looks and and just like looking sarcastic and like it was just fucking awesome, man. And yeah. and awesome in the sense that it was like it was like roller coaster scary for me. Like my stomach turned <laughs> looking at that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's Yeah. But it wasn't any particular scene. It was any scene that her face was on the screen, mm-hmm. you know, and any, t- any scene that she was like, you know, talking in was just like she stole it for me. Like she stole that whole movie. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely um, I'll definitely give it to you on that, man. I mean, that movie was the, the, the scary thing about The Exorcist is that I never I didn't even see that movie until I think I was like 13 or 14. My father allowed me to watch it if I watched it with him and it was actually the TV version, it wasn't even the full version. Right. Um, and he told me, he's like, you can watch this with me if you watch it. And if I feel like it's getting too much, I'm changing the channel. And like, I watched the whole thing and I wasn't, 
as scared as I thought I was going to be because that was like the movie I couldn't see. You know, so I expected a little bit more from it, but I was still scared as shit watching it. Um, I stand corrected, though. Hold on. James Wan in this uh, this movie, The Conjuring 2, that we <coughs> that just came, that just came yeah. out. The uh, the nun. Oh, my God. That was fatal. if I was if I was a kid. Yeah, I probably would have had the same. The same reaction to the nun to the nun yeah. as. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, awesome job with that. Yeah, because that was scary as fuck. Yeah, it was. Um, but like me being an adult and seeing that, like looking back, like still Exorcist takes the cake right now. Yeah, there's actually um the, I forgot exactly um who it was, but uh, watching the making of the Exorcist, there's there's a woman who actually did the voice of the like the devil, the, right. and she used to do weird shit like. She smoked a ton of cigarettes. She used to do... There was something I remember in the making. I don't know what it was, but something about her, like, swallowing, like, raw eggs to get this really this weird voice. And uh, she was, I think, the... Um, she was the wife of the director. And she did this voice, and it was... And they messed with it, with the audio, and it made it extremely disturbing. Um, and I think the reason why that movie is disturbing is not just the makeup. I think it's the it's the it's the idea behind it, you know. And and that I think is a big factor. Like this is supposed to be the devil, you know, and which is the everything that everybody is most afraid of, um, like the the basic personification of evil. And you know, the laughter when the priest dies and things like that, you know, is just disturbing in itself. The the scene with the crucifix, you know, just like, yeah. just like the, the, the worst thing you could possibly do. That movie gave people heart attacks in the theater. Like people died in the theater watching that movie. Right. I remember because that. Because they didn't, they didn't know how scary it was going to be. Um, and that was probably one of the scariest movies of the time. And, um, yeah. There's something to say about the, uh, the film work as well. Yeah. Like just like the, the, the way that they filmed it and the, uh, the editing and just the, uh, the grain, yeah, of it because it was like very, it was very realistic. Mm-hmm. No, it was excellent. It was yeah. it was an excellent film. Um, uh, the the younger priest, um, uh, I think his name's Jason Miller. I think that's his name. Um, he's actually the father of um, uh, Jason Patrick, who uh, is in who's in the second movie, a second season of Wayward Pines. That's actually right. the younger priest. This is dad, but like in um, real life, you mean real life? Nice. Yeah. Um, so, which actually brings me to my number one, which is actually a movie that he was also in, um, but it was the exorcist three. Um, the only reason there's a scene in this, in this movie that disturbs me. Um, and it isn't necessarily, I don't know. I don't know why, but I think it's the way, I think it's the camera work. I think it's the idea of what's going on the the fact that one of the parties involved is unaware and it it's also has a ton to do with the music but it's in the exorcist three they're in a hospital and it's quiet and they're all this one nurse is basically closing things down she's a sweet nurse she's basically locked you know making sure all the patients are okay there's one security guard that like you know, of course, this is the time where he like walks out. It's his time to like go on break or go home or whatever. And she he hears like this sound coming from a room. So she goes in to this room to find out that it's this um, 
it's this glass of ice that this one patient has on like a desk that is cracking because it's melting. Okay. And then she goes over to the tub and like looks in it and this dude jumps out like one of the patients who's like sleeping in the tub and um, he's like, what do you want from me? He's like, oh, and he's, he's like, I just want to get some sleep in this place. And then as she's walking out of the room, he goes, angels of mercy, my ass. Cause like basically it's like a, a Catholic, um, you know, hospital. And so she's just kind of, it's at that movie where like, you know, it's at that, it's at that, that time in a movie where they scare you with something and then you're, you let your guard down and then they hit you with something. She, she walks out, she locks a door and turns. And this is, you see this from a distance. And then it zooms in, and the statue of of Jesus that is basically a, a white statue comes alive, but you don't see it come alive. You just you just see it. The nurse turns and walks away, and then all of a sudden you see this statue, which no longer has a head, walks right behind her, fast like very fast, has almost like a white cape following it, and has these huge fucking hedge cutters. That you would use and is right behind her and is going to cut her head fucking right off. But like it zooms in and the music goes and like you just see that. And then it's like, what the fuck? Like, dude, it is one of the freakiest fucking things I've ever seen. And like I talked to uh, to my buddy Jim about that and, Mm -hmm. and, and Jim Rock, actually. Yeah. I told him about that scene and then I showed it to him and he was like, yo, fuck that. He was like, that shit is fucking terrifying. Like, I'll show it to you before we leave. It's fucking disturbing as shit. Word. And like that and, and if you guys have not seen The Exorcist 3, the movie itself is not bad. You have to you have to listen to it a lot to understand what's going on because Brad Dorif, the voice of Chucky, is actually um in this movie and he's actually playing the Gemini killer. Um but he's basically the the spirit that has inhabited the body of the the priest that fell down the stairs in the first movie. Like it's it does like a fucking 180. Like you really have to pay attention because basically he's saying that like it took him years to rebuild the brain of this like dead priest that he then they found him walking around, but he didn't know who he was. So they put him into the mental institution. And this Gemini killer has been basically using his body as like a uh, like a vessel. Hmm. It's it's a lot of listening. And uh, George C. Scott actually plays the cop in this movie who's trying to figure everything out. And it, um, it, it is really good. And they have some very disturbing scenes where people are walking on the ceiling and shit. It, it, it's weird, but, yeah, like, it, but it's good. You mentioned music, man. And music has been like the, the impetus for emotion in just about every movie that I can think of. Um, what is the scariest music for you? Uh, the scariest music for me, going back right to it, dude, is The Exorcist. Yeah, and it's uh, it's tubular, it's tubular bells. That's what it is. And it's actually, my mother said this to me when I was younger, and I cannot put it any better. Um, I said to her because she had my mother actually had the the vinyl of Tubular Bells, and I used to play it all the time because I was like, oh, this is The Exorcist music. This is so cool. But if you hear the long version of it, it's actually not a bad song. But when you hear the first few keys of it, it's eerie. And I said to my mother, I was like, I was like, I don't know. This is when I was younger. I was like, I don't know why this music is so scary. And my mm. mother goes, because it's what you're relating it to. She goes, right. she goes, if that was the music for Beauty and the Beast, she goes, you wouldn't have a problem with it. She goes, but because it's related to The Exorcist, which you realize is a very scary movie, that music frightens you. Right. And it was such a good point. I never forgot that. 
you know, so when I, so when I listen to that song, it does freak me out, but I'm also kind of like, well, it's just the song, <laughs> you know, like I got to like take myself out of it for a second, but it's, it's, it, oh my God, it's up there. Yeah. For me, yeah. it's, uh, the music from the Omen. That's a good one. Like just that choir the music. Choir music. Yeah. yeah. And it's just it's something to do with choir music. You know? yeah, yeah. Like, like creepy choir music though. Like not just like, you know, like, you know, like friggin' like, you know, Christian, like, you know, holy roller. Like, yeah. Ha, 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 yeah. Ha, right? Yeah. Like yeah. like that kind of creepy. Like ha, 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 yeah. ha, ha. it's kinda like um it's kinda like <laughs> you know? that song uh Carmina Barana where it's like it's like uh it go it's like da da and then it's like but it's like that um that Latin music you hear in the background. Yeah, yeah, exactly that shit. But it's but it's but it's ultra epic at the same time, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's actually so freaky to me. Um, I think the other music, obviously, and and um, I know Craig Garrity's probably listening to this, but uh, Craig, you're gonna know what it is before I see it, before I say it. But uh, obviously, man, it's the Jaws theme. You know, I mean that is that is freaky as hell to me, and it's because of what it of what it uh, what it suggests <laughs> is going on. You know, um, it's just that that I'm on land, man. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but you know, it's <laughs> funny. There's actually a really funny um, video that you guys can look up. Look up um, Jaws music uh, prank, uh, and it's like it's like basically these people are like, jumping. Like I think somebody like. Um, throw something into the water like this hot girl and mm-hmm. she's like i dropped it can you go get it so like the guy jumps into what is a pond to go get it for her and as he jumps into the water these like three guys come up and sit down in chairs with like the big ass fucking what do you call this thing the cellos yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and they have somebody that's underwater like a diver with a fin right and and they literally like the the, the guy doesn't even see the fin he just hears the music start to play, right? Yeah. So he sees the guys in the dock with the cellos, which obviously you know it's set up, but it like it, it doesn't connect. All he does is he hears the music, he looks behind him, and he sees the fin come up, and he panics, and he's like, oh, shit, I got to get out of the water. But it's like, dude, obviously the cellos are playing the music, which is scaring you, which is connecting you to the fin that's in the water, which is probably not real because this is all a setup. But it's like... That music instinctually tells you, shark, oh shit, get out of the water. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, if, if you watch it, it's funny how much of an impact that music has on, on, on somebody, you know, even though it's obviously bullshit. It makes sense. Yeah, but it's really funny. <laughs> so, Dude, so real quick. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick. If you could have the career of any one actor, who would it be? Oh my God. Go. How can you throw that shit on me right now? Go. <sighs> Oh my god. 5 seconds. 5 5 4 3 2 Ah, uh, Christian Bale. Word. All right. And I and, and I say Christian Bale because That's uh, a that's a very I think you're going to I think the parallel is going to be there for you and I, but go ahead. It's just because not because of like, oh, he's Batman. It's not about Batman. I was a Christian Bale fan before Batman and just, I mean, you guys probably haven't even seen half these movies. Look up Harsh Times. Look up The Machinist. Look up American Psycho, which you probably have seen. But, like, look at the body of work that he's done before 
Batman, like prior Batman, this guy has gone to the extent of physically changing himself and putting himself in situations into character. Like every character that he does is so different than the next that it's like it's you see a change in him happen. Like there are a lot of actors out there like, dude, Mark Wahlberg. Okay, cool. He's a, he's a successful actor, but he's the same shit in every movie. You know, where, like, Christian Bale, like, yeah, he played Batman for three movies, and he was Batman, but he was Batman for three movies. But then look at his other movies and see the difference in his characters. Like, um, I, I, I admire him for that. Um, I, think he's, I think he's an excellent actor. I think he's underrated. And I also respect the fact that even though he's a big A-list movie star, he goes under the radar when it comes to his personal life. And I love that about him. So, but... Uh, what about what about you? If you could be one actor, who would it be? Robert Downey Jr. Really? <laughs> yeah, because of Iron Man, though, right? No. Why? What? Because of everything before Iron Man and then culminating in <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah, that's a good right? one. All so, right. so like, I mean, before Iron Man, like, I mean, you had everything from... Uh, Back to school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Weird, weird, weird science. Weird science, yeah. Uh, you know, Chaplin. Yeah. Um, you know, that movie, I can't remember the name of it, but where he's like, you know, he gets to bone, like... Uh, <laughs> What's her name? Sybil Shepherd when oh, she was yeah. hot. Yeah, yeah. Right? When she was uh, hot, yeah. <laughs> oh, was it was it Sybil Shepherd? Was it Sybil Shepherd? It was, right? Not I don't Kat- know what movie you're talking about. Or Kathleen think- Turner. Oh, maybe, yeah. Okay. One of them One when of they them. were when they were hot. When they were hot, yeah. Um uh, But 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 yeah, no, he had less than zero was an amazing film, like yeah. where he actually played opposite James Spader. Mm-hmm. Um is a he's a great actor, man. You know what's funny? He was a great actor before becoming Iron Man. And when he became Iron Man, it was like a it was like a renaissance for him. It was a resurrection. It was his um, dream role. And and when that happened, it's like, yo, that's that's the career that I would want. I would want to have like all the I would like to have this body of work that's like shit that people would like can can reflect on and like reminisce about. Mm-hmm. Right. And like they were all freaking great movies. You ever see a scanner Dockley? Yeah, it's awesome. It's fucking awesome. Movie. Another, another good movie with Keanu Reeves and Winona yeah. Ryder. Yep. Yeah. And he nailed and he nailed his role in he it. He did. Um, that movie I, is trippy shit. Yeah. So many people I know get high and watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Road Trip. Road Trip was a good one. Freaking yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, him and Zach Galifianakis. Um, it, He's just he's a was phenomenal it road actor. trip? I don't know if it was road trip or something else. It was road trip. No, road trip was the one with like uh, Tom Green and shit. Like and then, and then oh like, yeah, you're right. It that wasn't was road, road trip. Oh my god. No, no, I'll find out what it is. Go for yeah. no. Okay, yeah, you find out what it is. Find out what it is. It wasn't road trip. But uh, but no, I I agree. But I think I think you want Robert Dooney, Robert RDJ's career without the drug addiction that he went through. Yeah. You know what? I mean? You know what? But but why I mean, why not why not throw the drug addiction in there because he's clearly over it and <laughs> and he probably had a fucking blast when he was doing it you know okay that's actually <laughs> it's not a okay you know all the fun without any of the consequences I'll take that any day <laughs> and by the way by the way that movie with Zach Galifianakis was called Due Date <laughs> Due Date thank Due you date. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right but they went on a road trip they went on a road yeah, trip okay. they did all yeah. Right. In my um, defense, with that dog with the fucking cone on his head, yeah, dude. Um, the scene, the scene with uh, with uh, Danny McBride. Oh, was you love Danny McBride, awesome man. Well, I, I I will say this. I mean, um, you, oh, damn, you just said something like RDJ. I mean, I think, um, John Favreau is the thing for that because he literally gave that guy a shot yeah. with Iron Man, and like it, he went it, to it, bat for him. Yeah, dude, and it couldn't have been a, a better casting decision. I mean, like people were like, "Oh, this guy's gonna play Iron Man," and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Apparently, like, Terrence Howard, 
took a pay cut yeah. to get him in. Yeah. But then bitched about it when he got cut from the, the – uh, yeah, well, whatever. I think Terrence Howard should have stayed in, to be honest with you. But I whatever. think so, too. He's killing it in Empire. I think so, too. Uh, yeah. I, I do think that he should have just, I mean, not draw attention to it, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, I think it makes him sound... Kind of like a bitch. Bitter. Yeah, yeah. Very bitter. Yeah. And he has every right to be bitter, but I think to, to voice that, and like, yeah. be, when there's nothing you can do about it... Yeah. Like, if there was something you could do about it, and you could like actually get your way back in, sure... But like, there's nothing you can do about it. So all it, all it sounds like is a bunch of yip yap, and and it sounds really like it's off putting to me. But anyway, yeah, I'm not nothing against Terrence. I thought he, I think he's awesome. He's a phenomenal actor, one of my mm-hmm. favorites, especially in uh, Big Mama's House. He was awesome. Yeah, everybody forgets that he yeah. was in that, and I thought that I thought <laughs> and like, his that was, role was fucking great. Wasn't in that it? Film. Dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked him in that. <laughs> um, that's when he was like ultra skinny, <laughs> yeah. and then like, and now in Empire, he's kind of heavier. But but he was like, I was like freaked out by him. Like yeah. he was creepy. He was good in that man. He was excellent. Um, I oh, everybody's like, oh, Terrence Howard. I'm always remember Big Mama's House. That's the yep. first role I remember seeing him in. Yeah, me too. Um. Oh, it's so funny, and and obviously my I think we've talked about this numerous time numerous times, but but ever, ever since Terrence Howard became bigger on the scene, my buddy Don brought up a very good point that he's like, you ever notice how Terrence Howard in every role, anytime he talks, it sounds like he's gonna cry, <laughs> and I like, and he does this impression which I'm gonna try now, which I know I'm not gonna nail, but he just like I'm gonna make up shit. He like he's like, I just try to tell you that, you know why. Uh, I, I don't know what I want to say, but I think I'm going to cry. Like, it's just like, you can have an empire and it's like, every time he talks, it's like, it sounds like he's going to cry, but he's mad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's just so good. But, uh, but he's a great actor, man. He really is. He's another guy that I feel like has kind of been underrated, but, um, yeah. but he's, he's doing a really great job in empire. But look, I think Cheadle is good. I don't yeah, think no, he, well, I don't think he's as good as Terrence Howard was, but I mean, yeah, but Don Cheadle, I don't know. Don, Don Cheadle, I will say this is like the master of, of frigging accents. I mean, you, you were telling me earlier, by the way, oh, bringing this shit up before we end it. Apparently, Cooley hasn't seen like any heist movies. <laughs> like, no, yeah, it's he, like the he's, only he's never seen the score. He's never seen the Italian job. He's I've never seen, seen Ant-Man. You, that, you've never seen any of the Oceans movies like. What, I, Ant-Man's not a heist movie, well, dude? Well, it is, dude, but it's one... It's it's like the... It's probably the least... Dude, If I didn't even think of Ant-Man until you brought it up as a heist movie. Like, you've never seen Entrapment except for the preview with Catherine Zeta-Jones' amazing ass. You, I, I'm telling you, dude, watch Entrapment. In Ocean's uh, 11, 12, and 13, Don Cheadle has like a, a English Cockney accent, which is outstanding like he nails it it's a completely you don't even recognize him and then he had an african accent in hotel rwanda like the guy is talented um, i'll watch that and I'll, I'll watch both of those movies if you watch two movies that i tell you right now go for it cockneys versus zombies okay and attack the block uh, cockneys versus zombies and attack the block yes okay you know, but what two movies were you gonna watch because i named a couple <laughs> <laughs> I named like five, bro. You got me. Yeah. No, which, <laughs> which two? Okay. Which one? I watched I watch the Oceans movies. There's three of them. I watch Oceans all, 11, I watch all three of them. I watch all three of them. You watch the two I gave you. No, it's I a say, fair trade. No, I say this. I'm going to do you a solid. There's, there's, there's three movies. Give me another one, and I'll give you three. Give me one more that you think I should see. Give me something other than horror. Give me like a drama. 
Like something that you think I haven't seen. And then I got, because I want you to watch Ocean's 11, skip 12, because it sucked. Watch Ocean's 13 with Al Pacino. And then I want you to watch The Score with Robert De Niro and, um, um, oh my God. Uh, what the fuck? I just said his name earlier. Fucking, who played the, uh, Edward Norton. Uh, you got to see those three. Those are, are excellent heist movies. And if anybody disagrees, you better tell me on Twitter. The Italian job was good too, but um, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily like a... It was a good heist movie, but I think those three were better. All right. What's the third? I don't know. I don't have a third that I think you have to watch that you haven't seen yet. Um, All right. You have to post it on Twitter, and I want to see what other people have to say about it. And pending the results, I will watch it. <laughs> I may not watch it, depending on what other people say. All right. That's no, you, no, you. I have to watch it. No if I have it. to watch the three that you're giving me, you have yeah. to watch the three I give you. That's the trade-off. <laughs> I gave you. I gave you two. You could have just watched two, but no, you wanted me to do three, so I'm going to give you a third one when I think of it. But right now, I'm, I have the two. All right. All right. And then next week, I'll give you the third one because I don't think you're going to watch any of them by the time I see you next week. All right, guy, relax. <laughs> I have a break. <laughs> I'll watch them. They're on Netflix. All right. Anyway, uh, guys, that does it for us this week on the Red Beard Podcast. Happy Halloween to everybody. I hope you guys have a great time. Uh, we have... Um, we Ghosts, have... goblins, <laughs> oh, spooky oh. things. Oh, no, 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 no. There's one thing. I want you guys to go on the Red Beard Podcast on Twitter and look up the uh, tweet that I tweeted, right? It's uh, the tweet Twitted. that I tweeted. Twat it. Yeah, uh, it's actually uh, Zach Galligan who was played Billy in Gremlins. He uh, <laughs> took the liberty of filming... A three-minute trailer called, instead of Gremlins, it's called Groblins. Um, and it makes fun of everything 80s from really bad green screen to um, overacting and bad acting to even incorporating somebody we talked about last week called Corey Feldman. Please check it out. It is amazing. It's on uh, my Twitter. Um, and it's on Red Beard Podcast. You guys would love it. Uh, three and minutes. MySpace. Of, yeah, MySpace. <laughs> three minutes of your time. Guys, once again, Red Bear Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. We Alta are there. Vista. YouTube. Uh, check us out, guys. We'll see you next week. That's Yoo-hoo. it. That's Yahoo. it. Yahoo. Later.